This is Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher, where Kevin and his guests dig a little deeper into today's issues surrounding the environment, climate change, farming, gardening, and food. My next guest here on Digging in the Dirt is Bob Halstead. He's been here before, and today I'm featuring two guys who are doing good things here in Connecticut. Bob is president of two community garden groups, one statewide and one for Bridgeport, the Connecticut Community Gardening Association, the CCGA, and the Bridgeport Community Land Trust, known as the Trust. Bob founded the Community Garden Program in 1980 in Bridgeport and has been active in various leadership capacities in forming approximately 50 gardens. About 25 of them still exist in low-income areas. Most gardens manage themselves and many are between 20 and 40 years old. Bob actively now manages six thriving gardens, one of which is a school garden at Harding High School in Bridgeport. And there is a new garden planned for this year at the corner of Pearl Street and Cusoth Street on the east side. Welcome, Bob. Hey, thanks, Kevin, for having me. So yeah. first off, let me ask you, how's your hip how, how, after the operation? Are you okay? Yeah, the thing, the titanium cracked, uh, and it was a very uh, risky operation, and the surgeon did a great job. Okay, good. Took three hours. Yeah, so everything's good. That's good. Yeah. So uh, tell, me, tell me about the, the gardens this year. Is it a good season for them? It was a good season, um, but it was a lot of recovery from COVID. I had to revive a garden because nobody came out last year because of COVID and the thing got all overgrown. So, so it was just a lot of work, but we rebuilt a garden and it turned out uh, very well. Not totally done yet, but it's almost done. That's great. Did you see an uptick in participation after, you know, as COVID settled down a bit? No, normal, normal. Yeah. Um, people trickle in. And I went on Maplewood Next Door site, so got a couple of good uh, people there. I got people who were just walking by and asked about it and said they want to join. So... It was uh, organizing who gets what plot and putting a name on all the squares and looking for new captains, things like that. Huh. And, and we got a good budget this year from the city. So we, we only get materials. We got a ton of uh, topsoil and lumber and we had tools and gas powered tools. Uh, so it was a busy season because I get calls from the city if the garden doesn't look good. Mm -hmm. I don't work for the city and I'm a volunteer, but now the sidewalk around one of the gardens is a very big sidewalk, 150 feet. And if this gets dirty, I get a call from the city. So the, the organizing involves, I have to mobilize uh, the local shop owners, the participants in the garden, and the city, because we can't be going doing the city's work for them. On the other hand, we appreciate the city's letting us use the lots, so we have to give something back. Sure, I understand. So how does uh, it then, work? When someone who wants to get involved and, and start growing something in one of your plots, what, what, what's the process? What do they do? Well, I, we put a sign up and we said there's going to be a meeting. And we try to get the people out. And then some people have the same 
space year after year. So they usually keep them. Uh, some people leave their spaces, so we have to replace them with another gardener. So we have a meeting and, and um, <clears throat> we try to do it on a merit system that people that are uh, do the most work on the common areas or who have the best looking gardens still get the, the best spots where there's the most sun and it's up towards the front. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's always a, a challenge. I'm sure it is. So what was this going on with the Sacred Heart soccer team I saw? They were coming down to help with one of your gardens. What was tell us that story? Well, the soccer team hasn't showed up yet. They their schedule fluctuates and then they have rain dates and things. So they've made two cancellations, but I was on the phone with them today and they're gonna try to work it out. I did have the equestrian team. There were about ten women out there and they were in good shape. They ride horses all the time and they were <laughs> very comfortable with uh, agriculture. I guess when you're dealing with horses, you're comfortable with all those things that some people might be put off by, you know? And so, so, so what, they what were, did they, they do? Were, what were they doing? They were very comfortable in uh, using gas-powered machinery, weed whackers, uh, shredders, lawnmowers. They just dived into it. And they gave a, in about two and a half hours, they, they really spruced up the garden made it look nice so that the city doesn't call me anymore that's good that's always a good thing and yeah so we're trying to uh get the city off our back and make them all look nice the gardens nice. are successes in my eyes because inside the gardens people are gardening and they come out and they take care of their gardens and they get food and they teach their kids how to garden mm -hmm. and the birds and the butterflies and the bees and the snakes come around uh, so it's a successful garden but not everybody sees a garden in that way they they, they want to look like a park so right I understand we, we just that. have to roll with the punches there and try to make the uh, do some plantings on the outside and meanwhile so, you're getting some good things done that's good it's it's a good thing we uh, so uh, they look good they look good uh, so the ones that i do let me ask you, you know, I understand there's a, bit, some, a lot of, uh, because of COVID, there's some funding that comes in through into the city and stuff. Is What's your thoughts about that? What's going on with that? Is it, is it getting spread around properly so that some of these uh, gardens get some of it? Or what's the issues there? Well, that's why I'm glad I'm on the radio today. Uh, it's not happening. Nobody is discussing community gardens with all this funding that's coming in, and it's a ton of it. But it's... Uh, precarious food system we have right now and uh i thought it was gonna be uh, a problem last year but there seemed to be enough food last year this year it's looking like there might be a problem getting the food supply uh into stores and things so this type of a thing is, is very important and uh and it's a self-help program it's not a giveaway program the old saying you, you teach a man you, you give a man a fish, he's hungry tomorrow. You teach a man how to fish or a woman, and they're and they're fed for the rest of their lives. So you'll see people lining up at the food pantries around the block, and and that's not this is more sustainable than that. Gardening and, and there's a lot, the people there's grow a lot, their own food. Yeah, and there's so many other benefits like community. They're teaching. They're they're. Uh, uh, maintaining their agricultural heritage, especially the people from coming from other countries. They are 
this helps amalgamate to our society, our economy, that this is one thing where, where they might feel a little alienated from coming to a new country like the Afghanistan or the Bangladesh people, etc. But here they they come in and it's the earth and, and they know what they're doing. And, and then they gradually assimilate into meeting other people in the neighborhood. It's a challenge. Sure. And they tend to grow uh, their own, uh, what they like to eat, what they're used to eating back in their country too. Well, that's another advantage. The Bangla, the Bengalis, they, they grow these uh, giant squashes or pumpkins. They're just in they in Callaloo, equivalent of the uh, Jamaican Callaloo. It's called something else. So they pretty much a lot of folks stay to themselves, but that's okay. A lot of them actually don't speak English, but they know how to garden. Yeah, they know how to grow stuff. Yeah, have you tried that squash? Is it good? Yeah, yeah, because uh, the thing takes over a garden. I mean, last year it took over my tomato patch. I left the garden for a week, and then the next week all these vines. Took, took over. They take over my yard. They take. They climb trees. They go up houses. These things are like monsters. They, and they have trellises they put up there. So yeah, I got a couple of them, and they were good. It's a big staple for them. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the beauty of growing your own stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. They they really send their whole family out there. You know, their sisters, their mothers, and and they. Uh, they work hard on, on these things. They grow these special long beans, the Vietnamese people, and they take them home and, and they they cook uh, with all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, so, so that's, that's a good thing, you know. Yeah. So you're saying there's a greater need for growing locally grown food in the community going forward. So some of these monies that are we know are coming, but are not getting spread around. What, what do you think they, they should be going to? What would, what's your desire? What do you want to see happen with locally grown food and more people are getting uh, homegrown food right from the, the these gardens that you have yeah yeah i see uh, that's that's a challenge um see we we're all volunteers now there's a lot of advantages to that because we're more efficient being volunteers uh less uh, red tape and things however uh, you need a structure and sometimes we uh partner with uh, universities and things who have a structure and, and we use their structure. We use their uh, organizational abilities to bring people out and to create gardens. So so uh, if our idea with the Connecticut Community Gardening Association, uh, we have a we have a big state. So you try to try to get a board of directors, people that are working, sometimes working hard with two jobs, can't can't drive up to Hartford to sit up sit at a meeting. So uh, our strategy and we're trying to do is to involve community colleges network because they've been talking about it. I met with people down at the Housatonic Community College. They tried some kind of a, a garden down there, but it just collapsed under its own weight. It got overgrown. So, so I, I'm thinking they should more partner with people, residents in the community, and they should probably start classes and hire professors or teachers or adjunct professors to have a course in community gardens and, commu and community outreach and community organizing. There's these students can go do projects and, and learn how to reach out to, to the community. So not only Bridgeport, but all the other communities statewide. And that would solve the problem was how do you get people together statewide? 
for statewide organization, you, you synergize with with resources already in place. So I, I think that's what I would like to see the COVID money going into something like that, community colleges and, and they and they start programs and then they do their own little satellites. And then we do have a statewide organization and we have people who will attend meetings because a lot of people that are professionals, you know, it's a day out of the office. It's no big deal for them to come to a meeting. So so we need the structure, we need minutes, we need the you know, to follow bylaws, and then we have to have people writing for grants. So, so something like that is needed. That's uh, where you, you thought so the money why, should go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, so what do you, you know, I know you have some questions about, you know, sustaining this. I mean, what, what's your thoughts about the sustainability of these organizations? Because it does, you know, there's one day you have one leader and the next day you have another leader. It's probably pretty difficult to keep a um, continuity going. Yeah, yeah, it is. And people get burned out when they're volunteers. So that's a problem. I'm a case of that where I've been doing it for 40 years. I'm not going to be around forever. What's going to happen when I'm gone? You know, the leadership will carry on. But then even people in the community, they, uh, they're no longer around. So how do you carry that on? That's a challenge that we haven't solved yet. Hmm. So that would be something where um, if you had some kind of organization where you have staff, like a Peace Corps type of thing, and you manage volunteers. And two good organizations are Habitat and WPKN <laughs> that are volunteer organizations. They're the only two that I know that have sustained themselves over the last 30, 40 years. We have our issues too, of burnout. <laughs> yeah, I know. So we would like to model ourselves out of that. That's nice, uh, yeah. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We have done well. That's for sure. It's a great organization, WPKN. Hey, what what would you like to see from your political and municipal leaders in regards to food banks and kitchens? I'd like to see some kind of education, nutritional education, where you would connect these gardens with kitchens. And you know, one, one option is to teach low-income people that now now use uh, fast food joints. You know mm-hmm. that that have very bad food and they have very bad health and problems, health problems. And if they would catch, if they would get the bug, the gardening bug and the cooking bug, I mean, it all is related to other movements that are going on concomitantly, uh, such as the slow food movement or the farm to table movement. We, we work more together as a synergy. Right. Start them early in the <laughs> garden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the kids, we, we had a garden up at Harding. But we're trying to get a garden club going on, and there's a culinary program there that came out last year. We had we brought a pizza oven out there, and we taught the kids how you can use vegetables and make your own sauce and make your own cheese. Nice. And it's fun. And but then the 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 teacher left, and now there's no culinary program at Harding. Really, to see that. So 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 they have a ton of money in the board of education, and they're getting a ton of money from COVID. And uh, I would like to see more leadership and initiative on the part of board members, superintendents, staffs in the school system. How do you make them do that? You can't make them do that. So it's a it's a challenge. But that that's that they should be doing this. They should be uh, teaching home economics again. Less emphasis on getting high test scores, which they're not doing a good job at anyway. 
uh, home economics. Very practical teach, skills. Yeah. Practical skills, how to garden, how to cook, how to preserve food, things like that. So, okay. so that's what I'd like to see with the COVID money. Mm -hmm. And the political will has to be there. And is it there? So, mm, no, I don't see it, but I think it's the same thing with our community land trust also has environmental issues like trying to get decent bike paths, trying to get serious infrastructure money to establish bike paths so that kids can access nature so that uh, workers can work, uh, can ride to work. Uh, we don't have that. And the political will is not there. There's no money and nobody's making money on bike paths like they are on highways, the oil industry. Himes and a few others did this big bike ride and now all of a sudden they're interested in doing bike paths. So I want to grab some of these guys and women who, the leaders to, it's got to come from the top. Somebody in this community college concept, it's got to come from the top. Mm -hmm. That's what you hope. From state, state reps or the governor's office. It's got to come from the top and they got to, they got to uh, have some vision and put some COVID money into this. So that's what I hope will happen. Well, I hope so for your, you too and for the community. The kids could definitely use some support in learning all about all this kind of stuff. I think it's the way to go. One garden at a time, right? Would I hear something that you might be trying to get elected to something in, in Bridgeport? Is, is, is that the case? Yeah, I think that, that the Democratic Town Committee has way too much power and influence and uh, they tamp down any activism or people that want to get involved and run for office, they want to keep the status quo. So I think the best way to do that is run a series of town committee slates throughout the 10 districts in the city and then take over the Democratic Town Committee. So I'm, I'm uh, looking for a slate. I'm looking for people to run on my slate in my district, the 132nd. I know the ropes. I used to be a councilman. Very hard when the progressive agenda is not represented because most of the people on the council are just being told what to do. And uh, if you have only three or four people that are maybe a little more progressive, we're always getting outvoted 16 to 4. So we need to get more majorities in the, uh, in the political realm there, uh, mm -hmm. politically. So when you say you want to run a slate, what does that mean? How many people are going to run? Well, there's 10 districts. Each, each district has a town committee and uh, nine people on it. And that's the easiest way to get in because once you get on the town committee, the town committee nominates who runs for everything and who goes to the convention, who runs for mayor, who runs for city council, who runs for state rep. And usually when the Democrats uh, town committee endorses somebody, they win because the majority is like something like eight to one Democrats to Republicans. That would be one strategy. Yeah, and do you think it's possible you can get your slate in? Well, I think we should we should try. We should get people involved that aren't involved and aren't dependent on uh, the powers that be for their jobs or whatever there is, or they're not afraid. A lot of young people who are maybe educated to get involved. Yeah, sounds good uh, to me. Yeah, you know, I'm getting involved. I've, I've been involved. I worked 23 years for the city of Bridgeport in property disposition, which is one of the reasons why there's so many community gardens. And I, I, I have a master's degree in city planning from Pratt Institute at an accredited planning school and, and, and uh, have all this experience doing 
community development. So why should I'm retired now? Why should, I think I should be put to use somewhere. I think yeah. I have abilities. I can be a good use. Yeah. I'll so second that emotion. So what if if somebody wants to get involved with you on the slate, um, or even run in any capacity in Bridgeport? Where, where, what should they do? Where, where, let's finish up with uh, that. Two oh two oh three three six two seven seven five seven. That's your phone number? Yeah. Right, you want to give them an email or anything? H-A-L-C-A-R-5 at optonline.net. So give them one more time so they can go grab a pen and write it down. Okay. Go grab your pens. H-A-L-C-A-R-5 at optonline.net. Well, keep up the good work, Bob. We've been speaking with Bob Halstead. Bob is president of the two community garden groups, one statewide and one for Bridgeport, the Connecticut Community Gardening Association, the CCGA, and the Community Land Trust, known as the Trust. So if you are interested in what Bob's been talking about, give him a, give him a holler. Thanks for coming on, Bob. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. We'll yeah. have a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on. Digging in the dirt. Digging in the dirt. You've been listening to Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher. To hear past programs anytime you want, visit the podcast section of WPKN.org or diggingindthedirtradio.com.